0: Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones.
1: Building in Faith When the trials come and it seems as though you're being pushed this way and that way, ask the Lord to put a watch on your lips. It will keep you navigating correctly when the storm comes, you won't be pushed this way and that way. The pressure won't cause you to say something that you'll regret, something that you'll be sorry for, something that may come back later to haunt you.
0: Reaching up high with arms open wide we see. You're changing our power of life and death can be found in the tongue. The Apostle James is exhorting the church to be extremely careful with this tiny vessel, the tongue, because it can be set with the fires of hell. Pastor Ed will be reminding us that our words can cause extreme damage to people, as well as give someone hope and encouragement. When we are going through trials or there is pressure being applied to us, what comes out of our mouth is indicative of what is truly going on deep down within us. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith.
1: Dick Morris, in his book, Behind the Oval Office, Winning the Presidency in the 90s, claims that the success of the Clinton campaign was its ability to know the current mood of the country and to shape the president's message to fit that mood. They would take one poll after another poll after another poll. It cost them a lot of money but they wanted to know what the mood of people was in the country and so they would adjust the speeches and they would adjust the policies all according to what the poll said now he goes on to say Morris explains his motivation talking about himself in stark terms I needed the power fix too badly being a teacher, being a preacher, being a leader should never be a power fix When I come to a passage like this, it makes me tremble. Because I know that there is a higher scale of accountability for those who lead the church. See, James knew that you set the mood, the direction through the preaching and teaching ministry of the church. And James says, be very careful how you speak, what you say. John Sponge, the Episcopal Bishop of the Diocese of New Jersey, has argued for the permissibility of sexual relationship outside of marriage for both heterosexuals and homosexuals, claiming that sex outside of marriage can be holy and life-giving in some circumstances. He denies the virgin birth and the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ as well. Well, he'd fit well into our culture get an applause from the audiences. But he is not saying what the Bible says. He is not saying what scriptures teach. And we cannot package this message so that it fits into the culture and people just go away feeling good, you know. Let's get a good feeling out of church. Let's get a fix when we go there. Get us through the week. Let us feel better about ourselves. Let us feel better about Sometimes we have to be uncomfortable. And the word has to convict when you listen to your favorite radio or television preacher. Or you read their books. Do they ever talk about hell or heaven? Do they ever talk about the judgment of God? Do they ever talk about the great doctrines of scripture? See, the Bible tells us That God looks at those things. We have to represent the full counsel of God. We have to preach the full counsel of his word. And we'll be held accountable if we don't. Matthew tells us in 12.36. But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. God is keeping track of our words. What we say, and how we say it, and when we say it. See, God watches, and there ought to be in our heart that sense of holy fear. Don't let something slip out of your tongue, negative that cut people down. Don't let caustic words, acid-like words, burn into another man or another woman's soul so as to damage them. God gave you two eyes and two ears and one tongue. You should do twice as much listening as you do speaking. And he gave you a cage to put that tongue in. God wants us. To live lives of accountability. To watch what we say and how we say it. Now, he recognizes, James recognizes, that we all falter. In verse 2, our lives are being shaped by our speech. He says, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man. Able to keep his whole body in check. We all stumble. That word stumble, peteo, means to trip, to err, to stumble. It's in the present tense, denoting that it's something that's continually happening. All of us, all through the journey, falter and fail. Never say, why did I say that? Boy, I wish I wouldn't have said it that way. Boy, I I thought I had that under control. Don't say everything that comes to your mind. Use a little wisdom. God expects us to recognize that all of us, teachers included, those who preach, the teach, those who minister, uh, those in leadership, they stumble, they fall, they falter. But He says, the person who can control what He says is a perfect man. Now, that doesn't mean they are sinless. It meant that they are mature. us, mature. Uh, what James is saying is. If you can control what you say, how you say it, when you say it, it's going to affect every other area of your spiritual life. Listen, if you gossip, I tell you, there's going to be a wall between you and God. If you backbite and are critical, it's going to affect your spiritual life. There's no two ways about it. It just is that way. And so we are forming... We are shaping our inner self by what we say, how we say it. In Proverbs 10.19, the New Revised Standard reads, When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but the prudent are restrained in speech. I like the New Living Translation. It says, Don't talk too much, for it fosters sin. Be sensible. Turn off the flow. Listen, uh, you don't always have to be talking. The tongue, Richard Foster said, is a thermometer. It gives us our spiritual temperature. It is a thermostat. It regulates our spiritual temper. Control the tongue, and it can mean everything. How do to be a prayer? Lord, help me to control my speech. Uh, Pastor Greco used to pray every time when he stood behind the podium, almost every time, he would pray, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O oh, Lord, my strength, my redeemer, quoting from the Psalms. It was a good prayer that he prayed. Maybe it was because of that recognition that someday will be brought into account for what we've said and what we've taught. It's not a matter of pleasing people. People can applaud and stand to their feet and say, Great job! If heaven doesn't applaud, God help us. God help us. Matthew 15, 18 reads, But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. I tell you, you will defile yourself. Don't tell off-color jokes. Don't put down people. Don't, as it were, destroy another person's sense of worth and value. When people come out of your presence, they should feel better about themselves than when they went in. We should build up, not tear down. We should build up, not break down. Well, what do we do? Well, look inward. If you catch yourself saying something or some attitudes, it's a revelation of what's inside. Take it to the Lord. Say, oh, Lord, I didn't know that was in there. Cleanse me of it. Look inward. But do something more than look inward. Look forward to the day of judgment. It will help you if you think about standing before God and you think about having to give account of your words. And you think about being accountable to God Almighty. Picture yourself standing before the judge of all the earth. That will help. And then look upward. Look to God. Because God can put, as it were, that restraining, constraining influence in your life. You can take and say, Lord, sanctify my tongue. Now, one woman came to the pastor and said, oh, pastor, I want to repent of gossip. I've been gossiping about this person and that person and the other. And the pastor knew it was true. And she said, I want to put my tongue on the altar. And he said, woman, there's no altar long enough for your tongue. (laughs) Well, (laughs) God help us to say, Lord, I really want to be careful what I say. I had a tube of toothpaste here. It's still here. Uh, Sam Robles gave it to me. Not that I needed it, but... uh, You take this tube of toothpaste, and you squeeze it, and that toothpaste comes out real easily. If I could have a volunteer to come and put it back in. It's like our words. Once you say it, you can't take it back. Once it's out there, you can't retrieve it. No matter how hard you may try. Now, the tongue has power to direct. It has power to shape our lives, but it also has power to direct our lives. In James chapter 3 verses 3 to 4, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. He gives us an illustration of a horse. Here's a huge horse. All of that muscle, all of that power. And you could have a frail woman uh, Don't get offended, ladies. But a 100-pound jockey on that, just controlling that racehorse exactly the way she wants it to go because there's a two-pound bit in its mouth. I think Guinness Book of Records had the largest horse over uh, 3,000 pounds. So imagine a two-pound bit controlling that powerful animal. Our words... Control the direction of our life. If you begin talking negatively, talking critically, talking caustically, you're going to be directed a certain way. It's going to direct your steps. It's going to direct your attitude. It's going to direct your outlook. And it's going to control you. Put a bit in your mouth. Let God control you. I think of Adolf Hitler. When he came into power in Germany, he had great power of oratory and he moved through his oration the German nation into the place of war and Holocaust. I think of Jim Jones influencing religious people to take their own lives. Power of the tongue is powerful. We have to determine to use it correctly, to use it right. I was reading about a small church in the village of Croatia. Uh, One day at the beginning of the 20th century, there was an altar boy named Joseph. He was helping the village priest celebrate communion. And the young boy Joseph dropped the chalice of wine on the floor, and it shattered. The priest looked at him, smacked him in the face, and said, get out of here. Don't come back. And he left, and he didn't come back. He became Tito, the communist leader of Yugoslavia after Second World War, and he never went back to church. At the same time, In Peoria, Illinois, there was a church, and they were celebrating communion at St. Mary's Cathedral. And John Peter, an altar boy, dropped this cup of wine, and it shattered, and the bishop happened to be there. And the bishop looked at that boy when he dropped that chalice of wine, And he looked at him with a twinkle in his eye and he said to him, son, someday you will be like me. That young boy grew up to become Fulton Sheen, that famous preacher of the Catholic Church who reached. Thousands and thousands of people with the television broadcasts that they had. Words can make such an incredible difference in our lives. He's saying, get control. Then he goes to the ship. A small rudder controls a big, great ship. The storm comes. The the waves come. the, The winds come. Pushing it back and forth. But that little rudder controls the ship and sends it in the right direction. Small rudder controlling a huge ship. It was called the unsinkable ship, the Bismarck, the German ship during the Second World War. Uh, The British were closing in on it but it was escaping. Suddenly the Bismarck turned around and came towards the British and it began to zigzag making it very easy to capture and sink the unsinkable ship when they looked at the ship to see the reason why a torpedo had hit the rudder and had damaged the rudder and had lost control in the storms of life when the trials come and it seems as though you're being pushed this way and that way ask the Lord to put a watch on your lips It will keep you navigating correctly when the storm comes. You won't be pushed this way and that way. The pressure won't cause you to say something that you'll regret, something that you'll be sorry for, something that may come back later to haunt you. The illustration of the ship. Such a small rudder controlling such a big ship. Such a small bit controlling controlling such a strong animal. Let the Holy Spirit take control of your lips, your tongue. Let him direct what you're going to say and how you're going to say it. It will impact your life and it will impact the lives of others around you. I like that words of the poet who said, If your lips you would keep from slips, five things observe with care. To whom you speak, of whom you speak, and how, and when, and where. Good advice. Good advice. He grew up in Harlem. There in Mousetown, one of the most difficult parts of Harlem, as he was entering into the fifth grade, prior to that his mother had passed away, he was riding his bicycle. Someone pushed him. The handlebar went through the side of his mouth. They rushed him to the hospital. And the doctor and attendant sewed together the rip, the tear. Because he was from the ghetto, and I guess I thought not worth very much, they never bothered to call in a plastic surgeon. And as a result, he would speak out of the side of his mouth. He became very self-conscious. He would hold his hand in front of his mouth when he came time to speak. His fifth grade teacher, Mrs. O'Brien, noticed that. And she was almost like a, well, a surrogate mother to him, a foster mother to him. And he stayed after school just to clean the blackboards off. And she said, you know, um, I've observed something. That uh, sometimes people with difficulties. Uh, Sometimes uh, people with uh, struggles, uh, they succeed greatly. Uh, For instance, Abraham Lincoln, he was a tall, gaunt man. He wasn't very handsome at all, and people used to make fun of him. But she said, I think that impelled him to his greatness, And now when anybody looks at a picture of Abraham Lincoln, they look at it with reverence. And uh, she said, our president, President Roosevelt, you know he has polio. Uh, it doesn't always show, he doesn't always let people know that, but he has it. I think it was that impediment that propelled him to greatness. She said, you know, uh, Napoleon, he was under five feet. All. It always bothered him. But I think it was that that moved him to greatness. She said, uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, you speak out of the side of your mouth. He said, yeah. He said, well, I think that's a sign of greatness. He said, that conversation turned him around. He thought of it as a badge of greatness. So no longer did he keep his fist in front of his mouth when he talked. He put it down on his side. He wanted everybody to see it. If it was a sign of greatness, he became, he is, one of the great preachers of America. Voted one of the top ten preachers of our nation. His name, Haddon Robinson. He's one of my professors. Words turned his life around. Words set him up on his feet and gave him strength to face the difficulties of life. Have your words set somebody up on their feet to face the difficulties of life? Here's a good test. Is it true You're going to say something. Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Run it by that test. Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Passage of scripture. Let me leave it with you. I pray that you'll pray over it this week. Psalm 141. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Mom, Dad, would you look at me for a moment? The Bible says that in the tongue, in your words, is the power of life and death. Husbands, wives, the Bible says in the mouth, your words have the power of life and death. Congregants, members of faith assembly of God, will you look at me? Congregants, in your mouth is the power of life and death. Your words can set a forest fire, a blaze of gossip that could rip and burn down this church. Your words can set people up on their feet and help them face tomorrow. God gave you a tremendous tool, an instrument. Use it. Use it under the anointing of God, under his power.
0: What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? These words from the book of James could lead one to believe that we must earn our salvation by good works. Pastor Ed will tackle this difficult subject and more as he teaches through the book of James. We'll learn that works are the result of faith, not the other way around. Although building in faith is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. If not, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For service times, driving directions, and more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Edward Jones. Please join us next time as Pastor Ed continues teaching through his series, Through the Book of James, right here on Building in Faith.